Well, happy Easter and welcome to Crossroads. You can go ahead and be seated here. It is so good to be together as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus together today. And I put emphasis on together because if you remember last year, we were all like tucked away in our homes and I was at a different location in a corner, like looking at a camera, wondering if anybody was out there. And so it is good to be together today as we celebrate uh, the resurrection of Jesus. When it comes to Easter, uh, Easter is a pretty big deal. And uh, we're all here for a variety of reasons. In a crowd this size, uh, there is a variety of reasons that we are together. For some of you, you're like me, and you're here because you believe that Jesus is who he says he is. That is, that he's the son of God who came and lived a perfect life, then went to the cross to die for the forgiveness of sins, then three days later rose up out of the grave. And for today, today is a day that we celebrate. Today is an exciting, exciting day for us. Some of you are here, and you're here because a friend invited you. Maybe you're a friend, a coworker, or a family member, but somebody invited you here, and you're here, and you're open to everything that we're doing today. Uh, even though at times it may be a little bit crazy or seem a little bit crazy, that you're open to what we're doing, but you have some questions. And some of those questions questions and your life experiences have led you to the point where maybe you would look out and you would say, I don't know if I can believe in a God who, name your objection, name your issue. I'm not sure I can believe in a God who would, however you would finish that sentence, that you have some questions on this Easter. And I just want you to know if that's you, then you are in the right place today because today we are starting a brand new series over the next five weeks called, uh, I can't believe in a God who where we're going to talk about why sometimes we struggle to put our faith in God, the objections that we have, the issues that we have. And so if you're here today and you're one of the people who are, who are asking questions and those questions have led you to say something like this, that I can't believe in a God who allows people to struggle. Or maybe you would say, I can't believe in a God who doesn't answer my prayers. I can't believe in a God who honestly, I don't even know if I need. I can't believe in a God whose followers, and even at times its leaders, are hypocrites. That I can't believe in a God who says there's only one way to heaven. That those are just some of the objections that very intelligent people make when it comes to faith in God. And if you're one of those people, today is your lucky day because we're going to take on those objections, those issues over the next five weeks. And so today is Easter. And so I want to welcome all of you here at Thornton, as well as Fort Lupton and online. And today, as we get going in this series, we are going to talk about the issue of suffering, the obvious problem of pain and the existence of evil. That oftentimes when it comes to this struggle, this objection, this issue, we put it in the form of a question, don't we? And the question goes like this. If God is all-knowing, all-powerful, all loving, then why do bad things happen to people? And the logic goes a little bit like this. Because there's suffering in the world, either God cannot be all-knowing, that is, that he doesn't actually know everything that's going on, or he's not all-powerful, he doesn't actually have the ability or the power to do anything about it, or he actually has the power and the knowledge, but he just doesn't care enough to do anything about it. Why all the suffering in the world? Listen, questions about suffering and loss have perplexed humanity through the ages because the reality is, is that we live in a world of unending suffering, don't we? And it's legitimate for us to ask, what could possibly be the reason? 
What could possibly be the meaning behind all of the pain in this world? Natural disasters that are relentless in their devastation. The unrelenting misery of 20 million people, men, women, and children sold into slavery, sex trade industry every year. The countless toll that the coronavirus has had, not only on our society, but on our worlds, from death to economic destruction, to even the events that happened in Boulder, Colorado, just a week and a half ago. Unless we respond naively to all of this, let's just remind ourselves, unless we believe this is something unusual, let's remind ourselves of the obvious, that 50 million people die every year in this world. That's 150,000 a week, 6,000 every hour, 100 every minute. And most of them do not die at the ripe old age, peacefully into their sleep, passing into blissful eternity. That most die young. Most die after a season of, of long suffering and of pain. Millions upon millions die because of evil man against man. And many of us may be among the dead sooner than we possibly would want to think. Happy Easter. (laughs) Happy Easter. Listen, as people of faith, we cannot celebrate the resurrection of Jesus without facing the reality and the gravity of death. We have to talk about this. And when we do, we ultimately find the hope that's offered through Jesus. Why does a supposedly good God allow people to suffer in this world? If you're here asking that question, the reason that you're asking, the primary reason you're asking that question is not academic, is it? It's not even theological, even though we pose it as a theological question. The reason that we ask that question is because it's personal, it's emotional, isn't it? That there's a story of heartbreak, there's a story of pain, there's a story of suffering in your life that has led you to ask that question, why would a supposedly good God allow bad things to happen? It's personal. And none of us are immune from it, are we? I mean, just over the last couple of weeks, my wife and I, we've, we've wrestled with, with the long suffering and pain of a dear, dear friend to us. That it's the friend of mine who actually 20, over 20 years ago, launched me into ministry. And at 41 years old, with three kids at home, after eight years of battling breast cancer, she has realized that her battle's over. And outside of a miracle, she'll soon meet death. And I'm just going to be honest, death sucks. Pain sucks. Suffering sucks. Why all the pain in this world. When it comes to the scripture, this wrestling that we have over this issue, over this objection, actually is the same that people who lived during Jesus' time dealt with. It's the same that they dealt with. And the answer that they found is in the death and ultimate resurrection of Jesus. That one of my favorite Bible studies in all of, or one of my favorite Bible verses or stories in all of the Bible is John chapter 11. So if you have your Bible and you want to open, well, that's where we're going to be is John chapter 11. And in John chapter 11, the reason that I love this story is because it helps me answer this issue. It helps me answer this objection that I have in my, in my own life, not just from a theological position, which it does, but more so from an emotional and personal standpoint. 
See, the story is a pretty famous story. You may know it, even if you aren't familiar with the scriptures, that it's about three siblings, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Lazarus is Jesus's best friend. And one day, Mary and Martha, his sisters, send word to Jesus that Lazarus is gravely ill and on the verge of death, that he needs to hurry to come see him. It takes Jesus a little while to get there. In fact, he actually delays his departure by several days. And by the time that Jesus gets there, Lazarus has already passed and his body is in the tomb. We pick up the story in verse 20 of John chapter 11. It says this, so when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother, he would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last days. And Jesus said to her that I am the resurrection and the life that whoever believes in me, though he die, shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Martha replied, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. As we read that story, I think it's fair to say that Mary and Martha are in the exact same place that many of us are in today when it comes to this issue of suffering in our worlds. That they're looking at the unfolding of all the things that are unfolding and they're saying, how do we make sense of all of this? That Jesus, I know that if you had been here, that this wouldn't have happened, that we believe that you're God, that Lazarus was your best friend, and yet he still died. Where were you? Why didn't you do anything? And as we watch Jesus wade into the pain, he helps us with our own questions. He helps us see where, where God is in all of this. And Jesus wants you to know that God is not emotionally tone deaf, not emotionally detached from the suffering and pain that we experience in this world. That Jesus comes to Mary and she, like Martha, asks this profoundly deep theological statement. She makes a statement. She says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In other words, Jesus, we believe that you are God. We believe that you're all knowing, all powerful, all loving. Where were you? Why didn't you do anything about this? And as Mary confronts him, and speaks to Jesus in this way, he cannot answer her. He just breaks down in tears. And all he can say is, where did you place him? Where is his body? Where did you bury him? And honestly, this is a perplexing moment in scripture, isn't it? I mean, if you've ever read through this story, have you ever asked the question why Jesus cried? Like, why did Jesus weep in this moment? Like, Jesus was fully aware why Lazarus died. Like, he knew why Lazarus died. And he even knows what he's going to do about it. Like, if we finish out the story in 10 minutes, like, 
He's going to snap his finger and Lazarus is going to walk up out of the grave and everybody's going to be like, what? Like, like, like Jesus knows why Lazarus died and he knows what he's going to do about it. He has two things that we very rarely have in this life. He has the knowledge of why and the ability to do something about it. Why cry? Why weep? Here's where we see the heart of God. That in this moment, we see the perfect love of God. That God refuses to shut his heart down. He refuses to remove himself from the pain and suffering of his creation. That Jesus in this moment does not see fixing the situation as enough. He also enters in emotionally. Listen, don't you believe for a moment that God is sitting up on his throne in heaven, emotionally detached, or even worse, laughing at the plight of humanity. That the Bible teaches us that God weeps when we weep because of the things that grieve us. That God suffers alongside us. And as we see this story unfold, not only do we see Jesus weep, but we're also told that he was greatly troubled and deeply distressed. And oftentimes when we read those words, we put it in the context of of grief and suffering, don't we? Grief and sorrow. But the Greek words there actually mean to like snort with anger, to be mad, to be upset, to which we have to ask the question, who is Jesus upset with here? See, oftentimes when it comes to our suffering in our own life, isn't this true? That when suffering or pain enters in, that we get angry and we shake the fist at someone. Maybe it's someone in our lives who we love. Oftentimes it's at God. Like, why did you let this happen? Where were you? I can't believe in a God who would allow this to happen. But when Jesus comes to his friend's grave and he's looking upon the tomb, he's not mad at those who are weeping around him. He's not mad at God. He, in fact, is God. He's not mad at himself here. He's angry at death. He's mad at the tomb. That death was not a part of God's original plan, but this intrusive horror that's made its way into our life because of sin. And the wicked truth of Christianity is that there is a universal relationship between our sin and the suffering that we experience in this world. That when sin entered into the world, it opened the door to suffering, to pain, to sorrow, to grief, to despair, to even death. Years later, the Apostle Paul is writing to a church in Rome, and he writes these words to them. He says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man... Now, this is really important to understand. The sin, the evil that we experience in this world, the way that Paul speaks about it is like an entity. It's like gravity. You can't see it, but you know it's there. You you can't see it, but it affects everything. That's the way that Paul describes sin. He says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and as it entered into the world, it opened the door, and death through sin walked in. And so death spread to all men because all sins. That death and all of its allies of sorrow and grief and despair marched through this world because of sin. It's the brutal reality of the human condition. And it's right here in this story where we see Jesus' anger and his grief toward the tomb, toward death, that we get a glimpse of why Jesus came to begin with. 
In verse 26, he, he looks at Martha and he says to her that I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That Jesus is saying something greater than sin and death has come into the world, and that something is a someone. And if you're here today saying that, that I can't believe in a God who allows suffering in this world, then perhaps you don't understand the God of our faith and don't understand the power of the resurrection. See, we believe that the worst thing that you could ever imagine in the history of the world happened to one of the best people or the best person ever. Uh, the Apostle Paul writing again to a different church, a church in Philippi, he writes these words to him. He says, Jesus, who, though was in the form of God, that just meant that God came in bodily form, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. What Paul is simply saying here is that when it comes to the way that Jesus experienced this life, he did so in the same way that we do. That he didn't leverage his deity to avoid pain and suffering. Now, if we just paused here for a moment, if there was anything or anyone in the entire world who could avoid pain and suffering, it would be Jesus, wouldn't it? I mean, at the very least, he's in charge, and he could say, I'm just not going to do it. But if we went even deeper, it, it's not like God brought sin into the world. No, remember, it was, it was all men die because they have all sinned. I mean, at the very least, Jesus, God could have said, no, no, this isn't for me. You made this mess. You clean this mess up. I'm not going to be a part of that. But, verse 7, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. He took on suffering, becoming obedient to death, but not any death, the worst possible death that humanity has ever invented, death on a cross. Why? Because he desired you. That Jesus, God, looked at the cross, looked at the pain, looked at the suffering, looked at you and said, it's all worth it. That it's all worth it. That I will face whatever I have to face in this world in order to get you. He desires you. And in going to the cross, he actually redefines and exceeds what it means to be good in that he doesn't make the guilty, or the, doesn't make the guilty suffer. That out of his love and his mercy to make all the bad come undone, he offers up himself. He doesn't cancel the debt, he pays for it himself. Which leads us to go as the psalmist said, who am I that you are even mindful of me, O God? Who am I that you even show care for me? See, Jesus' crucifixion is the foundation and the focus of our understanding when it comes to suffering as believers. And let's be honest that it's strange and offensive to other worldviews. I mean, if you don't take the view of the scriptures when it comes to suffering and pain, that's fine. But what are your other options? Maybe you would be here today and you would say, well, I'm a naturalist. Like, like I just believe simply in the, in the natural order and I take a naturalist worldview to it. Well, when it comes to pain and suffering, a naturalist worldview is that it's all random that it's all random. It's like sitting at a craps table and throwing the dice. That's what suffering and pain is. Maybe you subscribe to Buddhism, 
Buddhism is, is all about finding enlightenment in this life. And enlightenment for the Buddhist is to become detached from the situations that you face, not to feel anything. So when mom dies, you don't feel anything. And we look at that and we go, that's cold. Maybe it's Hinduism. Hinduism talks about karma, and, and when it comes to karma, it's, it's this life is unfolding, and the karma which you experience is the physical and mental suffering that you just must simply accept and endure and hope that your next life is a better life in this world. In Islam, suffering is, is all as direct punishment on your life. But for Christians, the suffering of the cross reveals as the necessary part of God's plan for him to be with you and you to be with him. One of Jesus's good friends, his name's Peter, and near the end of Peter's life, he writes this letter to a church and here's the words that he writes in it. He says, blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last times. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while it's necessary that you have been grieved by various trials, sufferings, pains. That Jesus looked upon the pain and the suffering of this world and in his great mercy, he enters into the world. That God entered into the suffering. And for the believer, today is a day of celebration, of joy, of anticipation, of hope, because today is absolutely, the hope that we have is absolutely tied to the power of the resurrection. That we believe that Jesus not only went to the cross and died for our sins, but that's not what separates us because tens of thousands of people died on a cross in Rome. We believe that Jesus went to the cross, paid for our sins, and then three days later walked up out of that grave proving he is who he said he is. And if for a little while necessary, we endure the suffering and the pain of this world knowing the hope that we have that awaits for us. See, the cross and the resurrection tie together as the turning point in history, in history, where we begin to see that suffering is not the evidence that against God existing. It's not the evidence that says that God does not exist, but contrary, it's the evidence that says that there is a God out there who says that you are more deeply flawed than you could ever believe because of your sin and yet more greatly loved than you could ever imagine because he was willing to enter into the suffering of this world caused by yours and my sin in order to free us and to give us life. Martha, don't you know that sin brought suffering and pain and death into the world? I bring resurrection and life. That whoever believes in me will not die, but he shall live. Do you believe this? Of all the days, Easter is the day that we must be confronted and engage that question. Do you believe? See, oftentimes when we talk about putting our faith in God and about salvation, we talk about it as, as just simply an eternal reality, a, a future reality, that it's all about life after death. 
And to a degree, that's true. But it also, salvation, faith in God, also gives us hope for today. See, you don't need a savior because you're gonna die tonight. You need a savior because you're going to live tomorrow. Do you believe this? If you've never had the opportunity of, of placing your trust in Jesus, what we've just talked through, what we've just went through, is what we call the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And you can put your faith in Jesus today. The way that we do that here at Crossroads is you can simply text the word Jesus to the number on the screen. We have people ready to walk with you in that decision, to walk with you if that's just questions that you have as you go down this road together. Will you pray with me? Father, we come to you and we give you thanks. Lord, that you sent your son into this world. Lord, and that you came, that you sent your son to come into the suffering, into the pain that we caused. And Jesus, you paid too high a price for us to continue just to simply walk down the road of of sin and suffering and death. And so Lord, our prayer today is that you would begin to change our minds and that you would begin to change our heart and that we would become Easter people whose hope is in the resurrection. Lord, that gives us hope for tomorrow and for today. Lord, we pray that you would draw us closer, that you would give us strength to forgive like you forgive and for your will to be done in our lives. And because you are and have, we celebrate today. It's in Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said, amen. Well, today we're gonna celebrate communion together. And it's the moment in our service where where we remember just for a few moments, the death of Jesus. It's what we celebrated on Good Friday, two days ago, where Jesus went to the cross and where his body was broken, where his blood was spilt for the forgiveness of our sins so that we might have life. And so today we remember together as a church, as a body, as believers, the hope that we have as we eat. with the cup. This is the hope of our forgiveness, our debts being paid for. So we remember together. We're going to continue our celebration by singing some songs together. And so I'm going to invite everybody here at Thornton and Fort Lupton to go ahead and stand. As we sing, and at any point you need prayer, we would love to pray for you. You can just make your way to the back left and we have people ready to pray for you back there online. Just click the button and we have people ready there as well. Brad, let's sing.